morning, everyone. Uh, some of you might have noticed that um, I have a daughter now. Her name is Hadassah. In case you're not sure who she is, uh, there are a couple of pictures up there of her. And if you want the real life version, she's just over there. <laughs> I, I might be a little bit biased here, but I, I personally think she's very beautiful. I think she's very lovely and very cute. Um, she recently, um, I think a couple of weeks ago, started smiling. And then since then, I've kind of made it my mission every day to just get at least one smile out of her. And so far, it's been successful. Um, although sometimes it's difficult having sleepless nights, um, there are some issues that come up, just parenting in general, she is worth every second of it. Matt Smith once told me that parenting is the hardest thing that he has ever done, but it's also the best thing that he has ever done. And I'm slowly beginning to understand what he meant by that, although I'm sure there's a lot more to come. So if you couldn't tell, I really am happy to have Hadassah as my daughter. My feelings, um, my emotions were a lot different when Isabel was in labor. I would say particularly the few hours when her <clears throat> contractions got really intense and before she was admitted into hospital and was given pain relief. In those few hours, I wasn't really thinking of the joys of being a parent, of having a daughter, um, just parenting in general, sleepless nights or anything of that sort. The only thing on my mind was that my wife, who I love, is in pain. And there's nothing that I can do to ease her pain, to help her. I'm very much a fix-it kind of person. So if there's any issue that comes up, if there's anything that's not right, any problems, I immediately try looking for a solution, a way to fix it. That is why I work in IT. My job is essentially to fix things. But this time, there was nothing that I could do. There was no solution, no way of fixing this pain that my wife was having. All I could do is wait, which was really difficult at that time. You know, just try to support her emotionally as best as I can and wait this out. Well, actually, there was one more thing that I could do, and that is to pray. Pray to God who created everyone, including my wife, and who has power over everything, including the progression of the labor and the pain my wife was in. So that's, that's what I did. When we went into hospital, so when we were on the road the third time, just a couple of hours after we were sent home the second time, I prayed to God. I prayed that Isabel would have progressed enough in this short period of time and that her pain would ease and that she would be given pain relief that actually helps as she has been given pills before but that had really no effect on her. It was kind of a desperate prayer. I personally was desperate as there was nothing else I could do. I already exhausted all the other options. It was also very difficult to trust God in that moment that he will listen to my prayer. 
but I had to trust him. I had no choice. And sure enough, when we got into hospital, Isabel has progressed enough. She was admitted. She was given better pain relief. And slowly but surely, things got easier. And not too long later, our daughter was born. God listened to that desperate prayer. And since then, there have been quite a few sleepless nights, difficulties in parenting, where again, all I could do is pray. And each time God listened when I prayed and helped. See, God listens when we pray and he helps us when we need it. Let me read our passage for this morning, Psalm 64. The words should be up on the screen so you can follow along. Psalm 64. Hear me, my God, as I voice my complaint. Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. Hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked, from the plots of evildoers. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. They shoot from ambush at the innocent. They shoot suddenly without fear. They encourage each other in evil plans. They talk about hiding their snares. They say, who will see it? They plot injustice and say, we have devised a perfect plan. Surely the human mind and heart are cunning. But God will shoot them with his arrows. They will suddenly be struck down. He will turn their own tongues against them and bring them to ruin. All who see them will shake their heads in scorn. All people will fear, they will proclaim the works of God and ponder what he has done. The righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. All the upright in heart will glory in him. This is a Psalm of David and it was written in a time of need where David prays to God for help from the enemy. Now, David had quite a lot of difficult times in his life, and it's not clear from the psalm itself as to which time this is referring to specifically. I've read a few commentaries, and one of them did mention that this could refer to when David was betrayed and chased by his own son, Absalom. However, it's unclear. There isn't enough information from the psalm itself for us to say for certain when it was written. But we don't need to know the background of it. We don't need to know the context in order for it to make sense to us and for us to apply it to our lives. It's one of the great things about Psalms. I've been reading through them in my quiet time. And one of the amazing things is that I don't need to know the background or the context in order to apply it to my life. They are timeless, and I can apply the particular psalm I read that day to my life. So I wanted us to look at this psalm together and see what God is telling us and see how we can apply it to our lives. I want to break this down to three different sections and go into each of them in a bit more detail. The first section is what I would describe as honest prayer to God, and it can be found in verses 1 through 6. Let me just read that again. Hear me, my God, as I voice my complaint. Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. Hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked, from the plots of evildoers. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. 
They shoot from the ambush at the innocent. They shoot suddenly without fear. They encourage each other in evil plans. They talk about hiding their snares. They say, who will see it? They plot injustice and say, we have devised a perfect plan. Surely the human mind and heart are cunning. In the opening verse, we can see David simply complaining to God. He has a complaint of the enemy who is a threat to his life, so he brings this issue to God. Note here that he doesn't complain to other people, but brings the issue straight to God. He also doesn't rely on his own strength or the man that he had at his disposal. Given that David has before defeated the lion, a bear and Goliath, and depending on when this was written, he was very likely a king. He was a very strong man and he had a lot of able men ready to fight for him. But if he does not rely on himself, on his own strength or his men around him, he relies on God. David is also very honest to God. He knows that God knows his heart, so he doesn't try to, you know, beat around the bush or sugarcoat anything. He simply and honestly comes to God and complains. But he doesn't complain just for the sake of it or to make himself feel better. He complains to God because he needs help that God can provide. Just this opening verse has so much teaching that we can apply to our lives. When we have an issue in our lives, do we complain to other people before bringing this to God? I know sometimes I do. Recently, I've been learning that when I have an issue, I need to bring it straight to God. And when I do, he calms me, he reassures me, and then he helps me. And no matter who else I complain to, no one is going to call me as much or reassure me as much or help me as much as God will. Now, God might do all of this through someone else, but it's still God doing it. And we need to come to God with our complaints and not to other people. Another teaching from this verse is reliance. Who do we rely on? On ourselves? on other people, maybe on different things. Like I said, when my wife was in labor and in pain, I was trying to come up with a solution to fix this. I was trying to rely on myself. I was trying to rely on the pills that she was given. But when I came to God and asked him for help, he helped right then and there. It's about progressing through labor that quickly in such a short period of time is very unusual, especially for a first baby. So I know that it was God who helped us there. Who do we rely on when we have an issue or a complaint? Thirdly, we can see that David is honest. God knows us, God knows our hearts, knows what we think. So when we pray, are we honest to God or do we kind of beat around the bush? Again, I know sometimes I'm not as honest with God as I should be. I'm not as direct with God as I should be. I try to make the issue seem a bit nicer. 
It's not for God's sake that we have to be honest. He already knows the issue, what we're going through, what we're thinking, what, what's in our hearts. He knows all of it. It's for our sake that we need to be honest. Because being honest with God is actually helping us. So the next time you pray, try to really look at what you pray and also how you pray. And be honest with God. It's for your own good. I have experienced this many times before and I can confidently say that when we're honest with God, it is for our own good. In the following five verses, David goes into detail describing the enemy and what they do. Again, God already knows all of this, so David describing the issue in detail is again helping himself. It's almost like going to a psychologist to talk through an issue we have and help us overcome it. The difference is that talking to a psychologist might not always help. Talking to God will always help. So again, the next time you pray about an issue, don't be afraid to go into detail. Don't be afraid to describe it to God, as this helps you. Just one more verse I wanted to look at in this section before we move on, and that's a bit easy to overlook, is verse 3. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. I think there's a danger that we as Christians tend to think that we're always the good guys, that we're always above the evil ones. Remember that the Pharisees also thought they were the good guys and they were above the evil ones until Jesus called them out on it. In 2016, I moved to the UK to Milton Keynes and the first building I lived in with my friends was this bigger share building where we rented the rooms specifically and we had shared kitchen and bathroom and hallway with other people we didn't know. The room next to mine had a younger Romanian man living there with his girlfriend. And one time when I opened my door and I was walking to the kitchen, he opened his door and then started talking to me in Romanian as he knew I was from the same country. However, since I don't really speak much Romanian, I answered back in English. And I asked, and I said, I don't speak Romanian, can you please speak in English? But since he didn't speak much English, he just went back and shut the door. Now, after he shut the door, I can, could hear him through the door, uh, him mocking me to his girlfriend and kind of imitating me saying like, oh, I don't speak Romanian, can you speak in English? I got really furious. I, I basically snapped. I started banging on the door. I started shouting at him to come out and to face me. My friends who were in the same building heard that and they came all up behind me to see what's going on. So when he opened the door, it was about six of us standing <laughs> with me in the middle, face red, shouting at him. Then with the help of one of my friends who did speak Romanian, he explained that he heard knocking and he thought it was me knocking. So that's why he came out and started talking to me. He then apologized for mocking me, went back to his room, and then I just went for a walk to calm myself down. I'm not too sure when, but not too long later, I've heard that this same man went to a party and then coming home, 
he had a car accident and he died. Again, I can't be sure, but it's likely that I was the last Christian that this man spoke to. And in this interaction that we had, I was not representing God. I was not a good witness. I escalated the situation. I used my tongue like a sword. I used my words like deadly arrows. And I think back at that time every now and then, and I regret how I acted, and I regret what I said. We don't know how God works, who or what he uses to bring people to him. But as Christians, we need to be very careful of how we talk and what words we use. Whether it is talking to other Christians or non-Christians, we have to be very careful because we are representing God. Moving on to the next section of the psalm, verses 7 and 8. But God will shoot them with his arrows. They will suddenly be struck down. He will turn their own tongues against them and bring them to ruin. All who see them will shake their heads in scorn. This section could be described as trusting in God, trusting that he will answer our prayers when we come to him. Here we can see David describing to what God will do to the evil ones, to the enemy. And just a couple of things I wanted to look in, at in these two verses. Firstly, we can see how God brings justice and how similar this is to the way that the enemy acted. The enemy used words like deadly arrows well god shoots them with his arrows they use their tongues like swords god will turn their own tongues against them they shot from ambush at the innocent god will strike them suddenly just like an ambush one of the commentaries i read described this as the enemy's sin will boomerang on them what they have done so god will do to them this description shows that God will bring justice. The evil of the world is not forever. Like it says in Psalm 62, verse 12, you, that's God, reward everyone according to what they have done. So this should give us trust that when we pray to God and ask for help, he will listen, he will help, and he will bring justice. The second thing I wanted to look at in these verses is the confidence of this trust we can have in God. If you look at the wording that David uses, we can see that he doesn't say that God might act, or God could act, or even that God should act. David says God will act. It's a confident trust in God that after he prayed and brought the issue to God, God will act. David was confident in God's answer because he has experienced this many times in the past. We know from the Bible that David had a lot of difficult times in his life. And with each of them, he experienced God's helping hand through that time. So he could be confident and could trust God 
that God will help him through this one as well. It's important for us to remember when we go through difficult times or when there's an issue we are facing to come to God in prayer and ask for help, but also to confidently trust in God that he will help. And it can be difficult to trust God when we are in the middle of a hard situation, but we need to trust him. I remember about a year ago, I wanted to switch jobs because the one I was working and I didn't really like that job. So I came to God and asked for help regarding this. Not too long later, my company announced a redundancy as there wasn't enough work. And I was potentially going to be made redundant in about a month's time. It was a difficult month as I didn't know what I will do afterwards if I am made redundant. And when I asked God for a different job, this is not the route I had in my mind. But because of this, I had no choice. I had to apply to other jobs and I got an interview and I was hired to where I work now, which is a much better job than what I had before. When this was all happening, it was difficult, but I knew from past experiences that God will help and I have to trust him and have confidence in him. And although it was a different road than what I had in mind, he did listen to my prayer and help me. All I had to do is trust in him. When you go through a difficult time or situation <coughs> in your life and pray to God for help, there is a big chance that he will lead you through that in a different way than what you have in mind. But his way is the best for you and he will lead you through it. All you have to do is trust in him, even when it's hard to do so. Look back at your previous experiences where God has led you through hard times to help you in that difficult situation. Look at the Bible, look at David. His life was under threat and he still confidently trusts God and so should we. Another reason why we can trust God fully is Jesus. A few months ago when I led communion, a few of you might have remembered that Andy taught me recently that no matter what passage I re read in the Bible, it all points towards Jesus and what he has done on the cross for us. And this psalm is no exception. Now, you might ask, well, where does the psalm talk about Jesus? There is no mention of Jesus here or what he has done. And yeah, there is no mention of Jesus directly, but we have to remember that the Bible is one big book and all the smaller books within that are connected together. They're not separate books that have no relation or no connection to each other. So with that in mind, I want to read a different verse from a completely different book. It's Romans 8, Romans 8 verse 32. He, that is God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And that's how the psalm points towards Jesus. You see, God has already given us everything when he gave his son Jesus to die for us on the cross and save us from death. So why wouldn't he give us the help we need when we ask him? He loves us so much that he gave his only son for us 
so we can confidently trust him that when we ask for help, he will be there and he will help us. Last section I wanted to look at is just the last two verses of the psalm. All people will fear, they will proclaim the works of God and ponder what he has done. The righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. All the upright in heart will glory in him. These two verses describe people's reaction to God's sovereignty, to his power, to his justice. There's a difference between verse 9 and 10. See, verse 9 talks about all people. That means everyone, Christian or not. One day we will all recognize God's power, his sovereignty, his authority. And this verse is just an amazing and reassuring statement on its own. One day, everyone will recognize God. He is victorious over evil. He is the king. And one day, everyone will fear, will proclaim his works and ponder what he has done. Verse 10 talks about the righteous, the children of God. Now, the righteous are not righteous through how they lived or the nice things they have done. Because in that case, nobody is considered righteous before God. We are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. The righteous are made righteous by the blood of Jesus through believing in him and accepting him as personal savior and therefore becoming children of God, becoming righteous. And as children of God, we gain a lot of benefits including rejoicing in the Lord, taking refuge in him, and glorying in him. Now one day when we go to be with Jesus, we will rejoice in him and take refuge in him and glory in him. But one of the great things about these benefits is that we don't have to wait until then. We can enjoy all of these things today and every day into eternity. And we should enjoy all of these things. God has saved us from the enemy and gave us all of these benefits for us to enjoy. So can I encourage you to do that today and do that each day? No matter if you're going through good time or hard time, maybe difficulties in life, rejoice in the Lord. Take refuge in him. Glory in him, just like David does here. Because all of this, like the other things we talked about, is for your benefit. Because God is here to help. And if you're here this morning as someone who hasn't trusted in Jesus, and he's not your personal savior, then can I encourage you to make that decision today? Verse 9 talks about all people. Whether Christian or not, everyone will one day fear God and proclaim what he has done. Everyone, one, everyone will one day recognize God for who he really is. The difference is that if you haven't accepted Jesus personally, then when that day comes, you won't rejoice in the Lord or take refuge in him or glory in him. That day, God will judge you as the enemy, like we read in verses 7 and 8. And in order to have all the benefits, instead of the judgment God is offering you, all you have to do 
is believe in Jesus and accept him as your personal savior. It's honestly that simple. If you're not sure, or you have any questions, or you would like to explore a bit more, then please talk to me, talk to one of the elders, talk to a family member or a friend. We all want you to be with us when we go to live with God. More importantly, God himself wants you to be there with him one day as his child. I will pray now and afterwards as closing, we will listen to a song that talks about God's help and faithfulness. And the words will be on the screen, so if you know the song, then feel free to sing along. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you that you're our Savior. Thank you that you came down and died for us on the cross and gave us everything. Thank you, Father, that because you gave us your son, you give us everything else with it and you give us the help we need. And whatever we're going through in life, we can come to you confidently and trust in you and ask for help because you are there and you will help us. Just help us remember this every day that we wouldn't be afraid to come to you, that we wouldn't look for other solutions before coming to you, that we would bring everything in our lives to you first and that we will trust that you will help us and guide us. Thank you that we have such a loving Father and uh, thank you that we can be together and we can worship you. Just help us enjoy all the benefits you give us. That we would rejoice in you each day, that we would come take refuge in you each day and that we would glorify your name each day. In your name I pray. Amen. No 
I never